From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And thank you once more for coming back to the Cannabis Podcast. Here we are in episode number 90. Appreciate you coming back each time. If this is your first time, well, an especially warm welcome. And I suspect we may have a few first-time visitors this time around who are tuning in for the veteran farmer story, which is coming up later. So welcome to you as well. Just a reminder, this show is intended for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended for entertainment purposes only. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. I talked today with Mitch Grant, who is the PEI rep of an organization that I reference called The Veteran Farmer. He contacted me through Facebook a little while ago, and I think the story of what they do really needs to be told. They assist veterans, first responders, and others to deal with life's trauma using cannabis as an assist. We also have a story that refutes the validity of mold in a canopy grow room. On Cultivar Corner, we stop for some pink bubble from Wagner's, and we're going to finish off with a story about growing some cannabis just for deer. All of that and more on episode 90 of the Cannabis Podcast. And before we get too far along, let me thank some sponsors. Thank you to Randy. Randy bought me a doobie. I appreciate it, dude. Also, a big, huge thank you and a welcome to Jordana, who I talked about last week. Well, she was so impressed she became a member and bought me a couple of doobies. Welcome along for the ride, Jordana. She, along with JS, now has access to videos for all the cultivar corners, plus unreleased cultivar corners, and gets early notice of what's coming up. You can participate too if you feel like it. Buymeacoffee.com slash cannabis podcast. If you like what you hear and you feel so inclined, you can always buy me a doobie. Now, let's get to the first story of the day. And for that, we're going to mjbizdaily.com and another story by Matt Lamers, who we've talked about before. You may have seen some pictures floating around social media in the last few weeks about some growing in a purported canopy growth grow room. Well, that's what this story is about. An executive at Canadian licensed producer Canopy Growth acknowledged that images circulating on social media depicting cannabis plants laden with powdery mildew were taken at its facility in Smith Falls, Ontario. However, Mario Castillo, vice president of manufacturing, said the photos are not representative of Canopy's cultivation operations. He said the plants depicted in the images had already been slated for destruction after an irrigation system failure in a small number of rooms. There are quite a few fairly upset cultivation employees in our Smith Falls facility because it is a photo taken completely out of context. We had an irrigation system failure on December 25 and 26, Castillo said in a phone interview. Castillo said the plants would not have passed the company's quality assurance standards before being shipped for sale to consumers. It's unfortunate that the release of the pictures reflects on the rest of our employees, who do a great job in our facilities and who didn't particularly like that was put out there, out of context, for people to think that's the quality of work that they do, he said. The Canopy executive said the company does not have a disproportionate problem with mold at its Canadian marijuana greenhouses. However, Castillo said occurrences of mold are part of running a large cannabis company. Is it normal to have a crop that does suffer from powdery mildew every once in a while? For sure, that's part of this industry. And anybody that tells you they've never dealt with powdery mildew just hasn't grown cannabis, he said. 
There is a lot more to this story, and you're welcome to dive into it yourself. The link you will find back at CannabisPodcast.com. But the point that I wanted to make in bringing up this story is that those awful-looking plants that were circulating on social media a few weeks ago, apparently the cause of that was a mechanical failure in a grow room. From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. You may or may not have noticed that it's been a while since there's been an interview on the Cannabis Podcast. There's been no particular reason for that. I didn't decide that I was suddenly not doing interviews anymore. I guess I just didn't have any lined up, and perhaps, honestly, I was being a bit lazy. Well, that laziness is finished, because I was approached for a couple of interviews, actually, coming up on the next couple of episodes. We're going to start with this one. And today we're talking about an organization spread right across Canada that is doing lots of work for veterans, first responders, and others who have had some trauma and issues in their life that cannabis can help with. It's The Veteran Farmer. To find out more, you can go to their website at theveteranfarmer.ca, or if you want detailed information, send a note to info at theveteranfarmer.ca. Today we're going to talk to Mitch Grant, who is the director of the PEI office for The Veteran Farmer. And I think you're going to be fascinated by what the organization is doing and how they may be able to help you or perhaps someone else in your life. We pick up the conversation just after I've asked Mitch how his cannabis journey began. I started with cannabis um, just over three years ago at the Veteran Farmer. It's a bit of a funny story. I grew up very much under the stereotype of what cannabis was. And... um, didn't really want much to do with it. I had uh, some, some friends who had had parents who had issues with different um, drugs at the time, and I kind of lumped it all in at the same. Fast forward 20 odd years, um, and I'm out of the army and trying a bunch of different medications and trying a bunch of different therapies, but nothing's quite floating Right. Nothing's really clicking well. There's a lot of side effects to a lot of the, the pharmaceutical medications. Um, and quite often you hit a point where you start taking medicine for medicine. Um, but I was still very not big on cannabis at the time, to the point where my wife and I, in March of 2017, went to um, Jamaica. Um, and my wife at the time was saying, Hey, give, why don't you try it while we're here? Right. It's easy to try here, kind of harm free as long as we're here. Right. Like something goes wrong, we'll we'll deal with it. I was still so against it. That was March, 2017. Right. Um, you fast forward six months from that point to the late September timeframe, 2017, and a, a good friend of mine had gone out to the veteran farmer, started using cannabis, um, and I saw immediate and drastic changes uh, for the better in his ability to handle things. And um, so under my wife's kind of pleading, I went out. The state I was in, I earned the the lovely nickname of Sketchy. And um, by at the time, by October... 17th of 2017 right i uh i got my prescription that day so the day went legal i got my prescription and i had never really been using it much before um and autumn and the the team at the veteran farmer took the time to 
really low and slow intro introduced me to cannabis um, to educate me on the whole spectrum. And I quickly went from using um, a three gram a day prescription that is available through veterans uh, for certain ailments. Um, but as I said, I've been on pharmaceuticals for a while um, and come early 2018, those pharmaceuticals were having a really negative cumulative effect on me. And so I had to do a crash come off um, and cannabis and how it affects your endocannabinoid system is actually how I dealt with all those massive pharmaceutical withdrawal effects. Right. Um, and then I, with your education and the use of a whole spectrum cannabis, right. You even taper off of maybe that usage amount. So like when I came off all those heavy doses, it was, um, it was quite difficult. I was using easily a half ounce a day and that includes is inedible and, um, pretty much any way you can get it on you edible, topical, uh, and smoking, right. So, or vaping or, um, again, the veteran farmer is very big on that whole spectrum concept. Um, and, and, and there's, there's, there's all, there is something for everybody in it, right? Like in, well, I'm, I'm glad the circle brought you here, Mitch. It, yeah. it seems like it was destined to be, and, and, and it took a few years to, to get to there. So give us a sense of, of your veterans experience. If, if you don't mind sharing some of that, know, know what got you yeah. to that state. Mine is not as flashy as, as, as most um, would, would kind of say. Um, I, I was hurt at home or I suffered a, an injury or a bit of a breakdown at home and I'm fortunate to have the same benefits as a lot of other veterans. Um, I did, I was eight years as an artillery officer, primarily stationed in Gagetown um, in different roles, uh, troop commander, adjutant, operations officer, um, course instructor, things like that. Very busy, kept, kept up with it, and then just some other things in life happened and, and an injury came in, just like anybody else on disability at work, right? And um, so I kind of tried to integrate back to civilian life for a number of years. It didn't go well. And again, that, that link to the veteran farmer really was a, a lifeline for me and all the, the social supports it, it offers. Um, but also just in how to, to medicate properly, right. And, and how to, how to really integrate it into your life in more than just those kind of stereotypical ways. And, and why it works, which really for somebody who's not necessarily as familiar with the recreational side of things really goes a long way to um, easing those tensions, right? Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, thank you for your service. Uh, I appreciate the fact that you spent all that time in, in the armed forces and, and you know, we would all have a lot of trouble if there were people like you doing your job in that Mitch. So thanks for so much for that. So let's get to the veteran farmers organization that you first contacted me about. And I know it was Autumn Farmer that started it with her husband. Why don't you give us a brief summary of what that story is, Mitch, and how they actually got it started? Yep. So Autumn Farmer is the director of The Veteran Farmer. Um, it was established in 2016, um, and they opened their location, built it in 2017. It was built because as Lloyd transitioned out of the military. Autumn was very much aware that there was there was no support at that point in time. He was a um, a vet of the '80s and '90s, um, and so there really was nothing there, and it was a huge challenge. And it's you don't have to look far in media to see statistics of what happens with a lot of veterans, uh, with their health, with the health of their families. 
Um, it's definitely the buzz or had been pre-COVID in, in the media for a while. It, it, it's not an easy transition. And so that is why Autumn and Lloyd really, well, specifically Autumn, wanted to start this program. Um, so like I said, they opened up their full location just there in Jan- or March 2017, which put me in some of the early clientele for the farmer. Um, and since that point now, they have a facility in Belleville that opened up in 2018. They have a facility in St. John's that opened up in early 2021. One in Edmonton as well that just opened up in 2021. Myself here on PEI. And then Halifax is opening up within the next two months. And there will be a facility opening up in the province of Quebec. But they're not disclosing the exact location at this moment. So Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. And, and so it's growing. And I understand there's some, some BC entries coming soon. Yeah, there, there has been some look at, at moving some out that way. Um, it's a matter of locations and markets. Um, obviously, there is a, a couple of bases there. Usually, they try, if you, if you look outside of myself, a lot of the locations are near bases, right? Belleville, Trenton, New Brunswick, Gagetown, Edmonton, CFD Edmonton, right? Um, so Vancouver, there are obvious locations because those are where there's going to be a higher concentrations of veterans who are the primary cl- client. The veteran farmer is open to veterans uh, and first responders at no membership fee, civilians at a $100 one-time processing fee for membership. But really their primary clientele, their primary role is as a transition service to really help veterans move from that high intensity life of being a soldier um, or being a uh, first responder into that civilian role. And cannabis, Autumn has found cannabis walk hand in hand in that transition. Wonderful. So, right. so take, take me through the steps. I, I'm a veteran coming along and, and, and I contact you about some services. What, what kind of steps do we go through and, and what services do you provide? So when you enter the door at the veteran farmer, you're going to, you're going to be greeted by somebody. Usually there's a veteran volunteer on staff, not staff, but like just who's filling a role. They're there having some coffee. They might be, be helping out with something and they're there just to kind of chat um, and kind of see where you're at and they'll guide you to if if you weren't picked up right away by the secretary or nurse on staff uh, or administrative assistant sorry and they will go through a quick and doc with you and that's going to be getting your your tombstone data um one of those important things is do you have a awarded conditions from veterans affairs right that um that can get you that cannabis uh, prescription or that they'd give a cannabis prescription for your, your PTSDs, your depressions, your major pains or, or breakdowns, like physical breaks, um, things like that. There's obviously other conditions out there and, and the medical process is very complicated uh, like for how they assess it. But we go through that. We put their, their information into the system. There are weekly clinics now where you will um, have a first appointment and that will be a, an initial assessment. And then you'll have a second appointment and that will be your actual talk with a, the doctor um, where you will then get your prescription. And within seven days, usually from walking through that front door, you should be able to place your first orders with a medical LP somewhere in Canada. Okay. And so you provide the prescription is still up to the client to make that connection back to the LP. No. So we... Okay. Um, we give them the medical documentation. The veteran farmer has a few partners, um, but 
and they have recommendations based on previous experience, obviously, any business would, uh, but they will help forward that information off to the LP you'd like to use. So if you have pre-existing knowledge, you'd want to say go with uh, a Frio or some or, or Tilray, right? You, you, you'd had tried some of their recreationally and you were now coming that way. Well, then they'll, they'll forward it that way, right? But there could be other, uh, there's obviously a lot of medical providers out there right now, the big ones being uh, Spectrum and and Afria, right? A few years so ago, what, that you used to be quite a few more, but I, I bet, and and it's an ever changing landscape, and 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 still is. And, and I don't know if you, you heard there was a one provider out here, Shelter Market, just closed down this last week. I'm um, sorry to hear that. No, and I mean yeah. you cover that quite a bit in your show, obviously, right? Like the, the that changing uh, yeah retail yeah. landscape and, and and producer landscape. So, so yeah, we take that snapshot. You'll get your order. Um, and very early on, so things have changed in the era of COVID, but the typical way this would happen is you would come in during business hours uh, after you've got your prescription and you'd sit you down. Um, and even if you wanted to for your very first prescription, and this is what I did, right? I, I had no experience in this. So they, they walked me through, okay, they got me through that, got me my prescription. And as soon as I could order, they took me to the LP site and they said, okay, we're going to teach you how to make your own medicated oil. And to make this kind of oil, you're going to want this kind of medicine, this kind, this kind, this kind. Now, because of the medical cycle, we'll try and get some something for you to inhale or or smoke or vaporize, and that will be kind of whatever else you want, right? We can play with that. But the big one was, we'll they'll tell you what you need to order your first couple of times to try and guide you through that oil, because part of that process is is after you've placed that order, you're going to come in and you're going to do a class or you the application is now launched for members. And that application or in that class, they'll show you, first off, why full spectrum medication works. Um, there's a few really good examples. They use uh, a porcupine that can't, endocannabinoid system effectively gets to a porcupine that can't get its quills back. Cannabis is one of those ways that we can really reinflate those quills. It, it relates to a lot of things from a full spectrum perspective in that cannabis isn't about uh, the take two, call me in the morning method, right? Everybody needs a slightly different dose, a slightly different relationship with the medicine. And so they'll walk you through why that is, right? How that works. And then they'd say, here is a basic ratioed whole spectrum oil. They use, we'll concentrate that ratio on the three easy, most easily accessible cannabinoids usually, uh, THC, CBD, and CBNs, because they're effectively just stale THC, right? And, and kind of how you can ratio those out. Now, if you're putting whole bud into that, and they explain, like, like, this is why it's so much better. It's so much more effective. Of course, the entourage effect comes in there. And this happens over two to three, maybe even four classes as you're learning how to make your own oil, why it works. And then you would come back in over time. Because the, the, like I said, the cannabis walks hand in hand with the transition. And the transition is really the big service. So you're going to keep coming in. You're going to ask questions. And that's the goal, right? Um, you're going to, okay, did this, how, did, how did this ratio of oil work for you, right? Okay, let's work in it this way. But also as you're coming in, they're getting to know your family. What's going on in your life? Do you need aid getting to financial aid services? How is your grocery? How are your kids? Do you need financial counseling? Do you need to speak to a counselor? These all become part you become part of the veteran farmer family, right? As you go through this education process, right? And there's other services offered. 
the New Brunswick facility is my example as the, the biggest one, right? Uh, or the primary one is there's Wednesdays you can come in and there's this drop-in open mic music coming in jam, right? They'll do uh, Thursday night social nights where you come out and play darts or uh, they'll have a bingo night. They'll have art nights for, for people who want to come out and do that. There's scholarships they offer, sports scholarships, private uh, fishing teams, the veteran children athletes, so the, the children of veterans who are, are competing and they might need a scholarship to do a sport. There's the Teal Poppy Support Program, which is there for families in need. I can say my own family, we suffered a house fire. During my journey with the veteran farmer, we suffered a house fire and ended up becoming a recipient of the Teal Poppies Fund because there was just that point where insurance wasn't lining up and they were there. They kept the lights on at Christmas for us. That's huge, right? Yeah, oh, I totally understand that. Well, I'm I'm really impressed with how broad the scope of of what you're doing for the veterans and 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 tying that all in and making sure that you're taking care of their emotions and and their family as well as as their medicine. Fabulous. So so what's been one of the biggest challenges for you in in getting this going from your perspective, Mitch, and getting started in PEI? Uh, getting started on PEI, um, you'll appreciate this, I'm quite sure, but it's it's the the old stereotypes um <laughs> the stigma the stigmas around it um the island specifically has some of the, the the rules are a challenge to get around uh as a medical user i can order uh, a concentrate cartridge from any of the medical providers right but if i don't buy my vape pen from them or if my vape pen i bought from them dies i can't get a replacement on the island like a 510 thread right now, that's a personal issue, but it, it can also be a barrier to entry because those are such a discreet way to medicate. So my barrier to entry is really overcoming those stigmas. Um, the rural nature of PEI, obviously, is a challenge as a business to reach out. I'm located principally on the west end of the island, um, and that's why my my service, say, versus Belleville's New, Br- or New Brunswick's or Edmonton's is listed as mobile. I recognize there, there's quite a, a separation on the island, even though it's a small area because it's a smaller area, people are able to live more remotely and still access services kind of. Um, and so that requires a little bit more travel, a little bit more movement and, and just really breaking into that, that um, breaking into that market and dealing with that stigma is the big one. But a lot of people just don't know it's available. Um, and like I said, like I just started, COVID's obviously a challenge. You're trying to get people to come in to meet, to do that social side, which is really a huge part of it. But yeah, no, it's being received so far fairly well every time I talk about it. Um, one of the advantages, I, I've talked to locals, and one of their fears is in a smaller community, of course, rumor mill moves a little faster and you get seen going to like a cannabis store, right? Um I have a very remote location and I'm from away, so I don't have the connections to be like, oh, did you know so-and-so was doing this, right? Like I'm a very <laughs> neutral, safe place. Okay. Um, so people can come and ask and there's no no link to kind of old skeletons as it were or, or what's going on. It's just a completely safe place. And that's what I like to be able to offer. Um, I am always terrified when I hear, oh, my grandmother wanted to try for medical for this and she went to the store and all I can do is take a deep breath because I hear, I know the horror story already coming, right? Um, 
And I mean, that's not all we do. We, one of the things I can do here too, um, is, is just helping people learn to grow better and more healthy cannabis, right? That is part of our services as well. And so the island, I've noticed there's a decent recreational market, but most of it seems to be put four plants out back in a whole bunch of horse manure, right? And let her go, which is, it's great. They're getting stuff from that, but um, the ability to really teach how to grow indoors, to have control, to really have healthy, safe medicine, what, how to deal with pests, right? How many times do you hear people come in and they've got two, three feet tall plants, but they're the same size as a pencil and they've got one little nugget of butt on the top. And the first thing you said is you, you grew a miracle grow, didn't you? Right. And everybody says yes. <laughs> yeah. So you help, you help with that too. You, you help with, with growing advice and, and along the way. Yes. So um, again, with that education, right? So the, uh, it used to be educate, medicate and grow where some of the, the lines, this is the, one of their older hoodies and it has it on the back. And that was really a big part of it is if you're going to do a whole spectrum um, medication, most people who get a prescription can't get enough of a prescription to actually cover what they really need, right? To make enough oil, to cover enough smoke, whatever else you need, because there is a, there's a balance. Um, it equates really well to insulin use in that your edible or your oil becomes your long, slow curve right? To create a baseline and your smoke or your vape becomes your spike, right? So you have your oil kind of say three times a day and double it at bedtime. And that gives you a baseline. And then, oh no, my door was just frozen shut, right? Have a smoke to help kind of bring that back down. And there's a lot of links to that with um, alpha waves in the brain and stress and stimulation and things like that. And cannabis being alpha wave inhibitor and um, quite literally, it actually brings a lot of us back down to a normal f- speed and frame of reference, right? That, so to, to say that, like, to achieve that, you really do need to be able to grow um, and to be able to grow well and healthy. And so the veteran farmer at most locations has their grow line. They have a, a line of nutrients specifically formulated for better growth in veg than better growth in flour, as well as boosters for calcium for potash, um, sweetener, which, which has a whole lot of like maple syrup and things like that in it to really bring out that smell and that 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 pungency. Uh, and they'll te- take the time to teach you how to like, if you ask or if you are interested, they'll take the time to teach you this is how you properly pH. These are the tools that will really go a long way to aid you. And that it's not a, it doesn't need to be this overwhelming, daunting um, task, right? I grew my first plants in our house and I got over an ounce off each plant. Good for you. That's a good bounty for first time. Yeah, like, and that's that's just using what I'd picked up through osmosis, through through years, because that's what it was for me. Is it ended up just being a bunch of years consecutively of of going, being that veteran volunteer, learning, and and, and being there in that transition mode. And now I I am young enough and in a place enough that I can give back myself. So good for you. Now, was that a, a Mighty that I that I see you using there, Stores and Bickle Mighty? Yeah, uh, I have a Stores and Bickle Mighty I'll use from time to time, especially indoors in a storm, or uh, I've got my volcano next door. I'm a, a joint guy. so. Yeah, yeah, I thought I recognized. I thought I recognized the device. So let me finish up, Mitch, with uh, my hot seat questions to get a sense of your cannabis journey and, and where we are. So uh, do you have a favorite cultivar? Um. No, and for probably a good reason. Again, from a medical perspective, you end up 
becoming um, effectively immune after a certain point of time, after a certain amount of, of, of use of a certain cultivar, its effects will slowly decrease. Yeah, and that's the way for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it's even more so in a medical. So like if you, if you are only using recreationally where you might only use, say, a gram a day or every two or even three days, right? Versus if you're medical and you're using three to 10 to 15 grams a day, you'll hit that, that cap point a lot faster. Oh, of course. Yeah. So I have, a, I have more than one. I have a few. Uh, I'm definitely partial to Rockstar uh, simply because it's my wife's favorite. It's, so it's, it's one of those ones I can pull out when I need to. Yeah, nice. Um, but otherwise, um, Moby Dick, maybe I like that one. That's, that's fine. And, and I appreciate the context there, there too, because it, because it does make sense and I totally get it. I'm always telling people if they keep continuing to smoke the same cultivar. It's going to lose its effect. And if your, your, your receptors get bored, they need to be woken up a little bit. So do you prefer joints or vape? Uh, I'm a, I'm a joint guy. It's again, when it comes to use, um, vape is great. It's, it's for, for flavor. You can't beat it. Uh, I love the efficiency of it because you can immediately turn your ABV into effectively cannabis flower. Um, but it, again, if you're using that volume, if you're using that consistently, you, you just can't stay on top of keeping uh, it clean, right? Meanwhile, because uh, on the island, you can have, medically speaking, the rules for having a joint fall under the rules. As long as you're not doing it on a highway on PEI, they fall under the rules for smoking. A cigarette on PEI. So I, it's just as easy for me at, say, a hotel to walk out to a smoke pit, which is, I know this is amazing in this day and age compared to, say, even 10 years ago. I just walk out to the smoke pit and have a, have a, I light up a joint, smoke it, I'm done. I put it out in the butt stop and walk inside, right? Yeah. It's, it, there are many areas in BC where it's the same way. In fact, our airport, you can go outside and smoke a joint with the people who are sitting out there smoking, smoking their cigarettes. So it's nice to see that. But that is one of the things that where they haven't taken as much time to regulate it. it if I yeah. can get people to realize that, I can help deal with the stigma on the island too, right? Yeah, like absolutely. It doesn't need to be that there. So. And now I know from from a medical perspective, you you are using, as you say, the full spectrum of the different consumption methods. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have a preference uh, for edibles or flour? For overall effect, um, I really prefer edibles. Um, it's a much more challenge to get a really good net made out of edibles to cover all of your issues. Um, but I notice for what ails me, like I'm not using it. I do use it as an aid. Once I, once I hit that medicated point, I can use it as a bit of an aid when I'm playing guitar or something, but. Yeah. It's more for the medical aspect from, from your perspective. Using it for the medical aspect, that edible yeah. gives me a lot longer range. So I'm not as reliant on needing to go out for a smoke ever so often, right? Like if you're using cannabis, but you need to use so much that you're going out like a pack a day smoker anyways, right? You're, you're not really getting your life and your freedom back. But again, you fall into that trap that it's really, really easy. I travel a lot. It's really easy to roll 20 joints if you have to for a bunch of days and just go, Right. And then say, take a bottle of, of just plain old fashioned oil. I make my oil actually in natural peanut butter. So like people will see me on the side of the road having a spoon of peanut butter, right? Um, but again, it comes into just ease of, of use, right? Sometimes is what one of the big challenges is in really showing people how easy it is to, to medicate. And for me, for use and taking and what affects what I like to okay. do. Well, 
Thanks so much for the time today, Mitch. You've, you've given me a real understanding of what the Veteran Farmer is all about and really impressed with what your organization is doing and, and how you continue to grow and, and help the veterans get their lives back and, and using cannabis to, to help them do that. It's a, it's a fascinating story. So thanks for joining me today, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Any last words from you? Thank you very much. I do want to point out, like, we are focused on veterans, but it is a great service for civilians, just from, like, a perspective, if I may. If you're using it on a regular daily basis anyways, and you're spending the money on a daily basis, you can go get that prescription for that will cover your daily basis, and now you can claim that as insurance as a medical expense at the end of the year, as long as you provide, get it through a licensed medical provider. And I mean, they're shipping in a day or two. You can go online, order anything you want. Plus, you can still pursue that education. So there is, it does help a lot of civilians as well. Just a slightly different process. I want to say personally, like I said before, thank you for putting on an awesome podcast. I really do enjoy listening to it. But you haven't treated me uh, about um, joining the organization as a civilian and taking advantage of, of some of the services that may be there. I, I may pursue that a little bit more. I, that would be phenomenal if that was able to help you or, or to, to aid you in your journey at all. And um, yeah, it is. There's, there's a lot that's available, like just the ability to really capitalize on what a whole spectrum medication looks like from yeah. smoke to oil to, to, to concentrate to edible to topical and what that can do for you in transitioning into that next phase of your life. And then the social supports themselves are just they're absolutely phenomenal. What, what, yeah. what the veteran farmer can provide for people, for spouses, uh, for transitioning members is just, I tried to go over it, but there's years worth of stuff available. There, so. Of course there is. Well, thanks for sharing your story with me today, Mitch. I, I really appreciate it. And I hope you're not affected by the storm that's headed your way. Well, I think she's, it, it's hard to see across the road now, but I'm right up by the water. So, <laughs> well, well, good luck with that today. And, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Take care, Gary. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to the corner, go to the corner, oh yeah. Go to the corner, please explain this stuff to me. On Cultivar Corner today, we're going to the Tri-Cities area of Ontario for some Wagner's weed. Wagner's well-made weed, in fact. <laughs> What are we doing? We are doing Pink Bubba. Any idea what that might be a cross of? Bet you do. <laughs> How about Pink Bubba and Bubba Kush, or rather Pink Kush and Bubba Kush. <laughs> That's what we're doing today. It has some notes of pine and some earthiness associated to it. Pop this container out. Of course, I have already done my work. I've already got my joint ready. These bags still bug me sometimes. <laughs> but I got it open. Hooray, hooray, I did it. Oh, yeah. Lots of really pine notes. Mmm. And much of that earthiness. So, on the package, tells me we are THC at 21.1%. It's not indicating any of the terpenes. The package date was back in September of 2021. So, it's about three months old. No terpenes on the package. Do we have terpenes on the website? Let's take a peek. So I've got the weed. Well, first of all, let's give you a bit of background on Wagner's weed. When it comes to growing well-made weed, what matters most is the weed. 
<laughs> Wagners exist to work hard and cut through the noise. So plant their stake in the ground and grow well-made weed. It's indoor grown by Wagners. Planting their first seeds in the Tri-Cities, they sought to grow weed well. For Wagners, growing in a climate of high heat and freezing temperatures demands a finely tuned indoor grow. Their seroponic system has been tested time and time again as they've discovered the path to well-made weed. We all appreciate a toke or two for different reasons. At the end of a long day, maybe the beginning of an exciting one, or often just to take the edge off. There's nothing worse than rolling a joint, sparking it up, and being let down. We put our heart into every flower we grow. Regardless of the occasion, Wagner's is there for you to get the job done and leave you feeling satisfied. Well, now I think it's our job to make a judgment of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely lots of piney notes there. And some of that earthiness. So, do they give me the terpenes? Let me grab the page for Pink Bubba. And, alas, alas, no. They're just giving me the aroma and the flavors. The aroma, that pungent earth and pine, which we've already picked up. The flavor... More of a floral and juniper. Hmm. So as I said, this is a cross of Pink Kush and Bubba Kush. Pink Bubba is the name, and the THC on this is at 21.1%. I already got my joint rolled. See? I can roll a fairly decent joint. Nice and straight. <laughs> no tip on it. I've never used a tip, and I don't think I'll even start now. And I'm already in the vaporizer, so let's turn that on. Get the Crafty Plus all ready to go. And before we have a taste, let's take a peek at the buds. So let me give you a bit more description of Pink Bubba. It's a cross between Pink Kush and Bubba Kush. The weed is a compact structure that shows stunning mint green and deep purple hues. Well, marketing teams are always uh, pumping up their product, and I'm always challenging that. So let's take a peek. Now, as I look at it with my jeweler's loop, definitely lots of mint green. I'm not getting a lot of purple hues, at least in the bud that I have picked here. Okay, there's a bit of that. In terms of the trim, pretty good. There's a few sugar leaves, but we can't expect perfection after all. What about the trichomes? Trichome fields are fairly vast. And a lot of amber in this one as well. So that bodes well for how this may impact us on the smoke perspective. So as I said, I've already got the Crafty Plus is loaded. Let's fire up the joint of Wagner's Pink Bubba and see what that 21.1% THC does for us. Bright orange hairs, a thick coating of trichomes add texture and depth to this beautiful flower. Aromas of pungent earth and pine are predominant and the smoke itself is smooth. Yeah. I can agree with that smooth smoke statement. A couple of hits off the joint. Crafty Plus is still warming up. Oh, look at that. Just signal that it's ready to go so I can truly become a two-fisted toker. <laughs> I've talked about this before on the Cultivar Corner, and here we are again. My left hand has the joint. My right hand has the Crafty Plus, and away we go. Oh. Always amazed at how much better it tastes through a vaporizer. <laughs> oh, that's good. Much more of the piney notes. 
much more of the earthiness, maybe some of those floral notes they talk about in the flavoring. Hit the joint, hit the vaporizer, get the difference between the two tastes. Mm. Oh, and I feel a little bit coming on. Now, this is, I think, one of the current discussions in our industry. When we started this podcast, what, three years ago, average THC was probably between 15 and about 22%. <laughs> That's no longer the case. This Wagner's Pink Bubba at 21.1% would be considered to be low on the THC scale. But for me, I'm hoping that the fact that I'm guessing that the terpenes involved are going to be some myrcene and some pinene, and those two generally bring me the happy eyes. <laughs> so let's hope. I can feel a touch of them coming on now. Now, I don't expect this to be a wham smacky in the face kind of a high at 21.1% because my tolerance is fairly high. Once again, I'm used about whether a tolerance break would be worthy, but <laughs> I wouldn't be able to produce the podcast for as long as that tolerance break was going on. It would seem disingenuous of me to be doing a podcast about cannabis while not consuming cannabis. But I digress, which could be an indication <laughs> that that high is coming on. Ah, and there they are. Can feel the happy eyes coming on now. <coughs> Not really, really deep, but there. Hmm. The general <coughs> easing attention. I wasn't expecting to be knocked on my ass with this one. And I'm happy to say I'm not. It's not knocking me on the floor really, really stoned. But it's a really, really pleasant high. And, well, in certain circumstances, this might end up with me on the couch watching a movie or two. I think today is just going to mean that I'm going to carry on and do some other stuff. i got to get done. So if you haven't tried it yet, they are from the Tri-Cities area of Ontario, Wagner's Well-Made Weed is who we've been talking about. Pink Bubba is the cultivar. And as I say, it didn't get me super, super stoned, but it's a really pleasant high. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And as we come into February and March is getting closer and that means April's going to be here and the growing season's going to start before you know it, it made me think about the only time that I ever tried to grow outdoors. It was with some friends in the Kootenays. We were living in Trail, and for some reason, I don't know why, we picked a plot of land that was just outside of Grand Forks. No, Christina Lake. Just outside of Christina Lake, <laughs> which didn't make any sense because, as I say, we lived in Trail. Regardless, though, <laughs> uh, Bill and uh, Maggie... Those were my two partners in this grow operation. And I remember the day we headed out in a, uh, I think a Datsun pickup truck, had a rototiller in the back and some weak directions to this plot, which was just off the highway, literally visible from the highway, just coming out of Christina Lake as you're heading into Grand Forks. <laughs> but we went out there and, uh, and, 
carved out our, our plot of land where we figured it would be a good, get good sun access. <laughs> there was a few planes that flew over while we were in the process of, of staking out the land. And I remember I was diving into the bushes, trying to hide, uh, didn't want to be seen as we were plotting out this land. <laughs> of course, back then it was illegal to grow cannabis. So there was some understanding of, of why we might not want to get caught. <laughs> and I'd never done it before. This was the first and only time that I'd actually participated in the outdoor grow. We got the land ready. I, no, we, I was thinking, did we go with clones? No, we started from seed. So we did pop some seeds and uh, put them in the ground. They seemed to take. We took turns being responsible for driving out there and, and taking care of some watering duties. And surprisingly enough, the plants actually started to grow and, and, and got got to get some girth on them, <laughs> which I was surprised by heck. I, I, didn't, I thought they would need a little bit more dedicated care to really grow some decent plants. But uh, So we had been a few weeks into the grow now. The, the plants were well established. And myself and a friend went out to do some checking. We were well away from bud stage, but you know, we, there were substantial growth on it now. They were certainly into the veg state. And um, <laughs> I'll never forget the look on, or, or the, the thought that crossed both of our minds as we came around the corner to where our, our plot was supposed to be. And there wasn't a plant in sight. It was gone. <laughs> not, not the plants were gone. The plants were still there. But they'd mostly been eaten. And all around the edge of the place where, the, where we had established the grow, there was these bent parts of grass where we figured the deer, after they ate the, the THC, and although there probably wouldn't have been too much THC in it, but anyways where we figured they had a little nap after eating all of our cannabis. <laughs> and that might have been the reason why that's the one and only time that I did an outdoor grow away from my house and, and that required some mobility and some attention. And it turned out that I got absolutely nothing out of it. Quite disappointing. I'm hoping this year is not going to be disappointing. We're going to do autoflowers again. And this year I've decided to go the fertilizer route and I am going the refertilizer route. If you haven't heard of refertilizer yet, it is a cannabis-specific uh, three-step fertilizer program done by a couple of brothers, Mike and Joey Druin. And in fact, they're going to be my guests for an interview on the next episode of the Cannabis Podcast. And if you haven't heard it, they have one of the most clever songs done for legalization of cannabis in Canada. And we're going to play that on next episode too. That is coming up as I say, next episode, that pretty well wraps it up for episode number 90. If you ever have any comments about anything you hear on the Cannabis Podcast, please send a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. I really appreciate you being here. If you feel so inclined and you like what you hear, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Cannabis Podcast and buy me a doobie. That wraps it up for episode 90 of the Cannabis Podcast. In the cannabis infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachix Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.